Hi everyone, welcome to the third episode of the Ageless Science podcast, the companion podcast to the nonprofit Ageless Science. We bring scientifically minded high school students to local retirement communities to discuss important scientific topics and advances, allowing senior citizens to develop greater understanding of changes in the world around them. This episode will focus on artificial intelligence within healthcare, and since healthcare is such a broad range of fields, we'll be specifically focusing on four areas radiation, pathology, radiation oncology, and data mining. Before we jump into these applications, we first want to give a very comprehensive overview of artificial intelligence as a field and define some key terms. Then I'll transition to explaining those four examples of artificial intelligence in healthcare, and afterwards I'll summarize the perils of AI when applied to healthcare, including bias and lack of accountability, so-called black box interpretability, reliance on human oversight, and susceptibility to security risks. Finally, I'll finish with discussions on how to mitigate these risks and a brief philosophical reflection on what it means to be human. So, what is AI? Let's do a quick definition of terms. Artificial intelligence is the development of machines and robots so that they can gain the ability, or even improve upon our ability, to solve complex problems. Although it originated in 1950s, AI didn't begin to be applied to healthcare until the 1970s. It was first used in a program called Mycin, which helped identify blood infections and recommend treatments. And since then, its presence within healthcare has only increased as we've expanded the number of fields and developments within AI. Within the field of AI is a subset called machine learning, which refers to the concept that computer programs can automatically learn from and adapt to new data without being assisted by humans. The process of teaching the model to do a particular function is called training. Generally, creating machine learning models require huge amounts of data to teach the models how to properly produce outputs. We'll be talking about two main kinds of machine learning training methods, the first being supervised learning, or when we provide the model with both data and the corresponding outputs or conclusions we want it to make based on that data. Then it learns by example, finding patterns and learning what a physician already knows. For instance, if I wanted an AI model to recognize photos of dogs, I could feed it 10,000 photos of animals labeled dog or not dog, and it would eventually be able to figure out how to identify dogs itself. Unsupervised learning is the second type, in which we just provide the input and let the machine figure out the output. It learns by itself through sorting data based on correlated features between items. By telling the model the outputs, like in the earlier example of supervised learning in which I tell the computer which photos are dogs, it can miss patterns or possible factors that are useful in combination with other factors that we might have otherwise missed. Instead of trying to guide it, we just give it lots of information and let it find its own patterns. This type of learning accurately models human learning, since when we see new things, we aren't necessarily given a label or an explanation. We rely on pattern recognition to discover new things around us. For instance, going back to the dog image example, for an unsupervised model, I could show lots of images of cats and dogs without telling it which fall into each category, letting it group them and find factors which distinguish the various animals. Within machine learning, there's another technique called deep learning, which implements artificial networks called neural networks that take inspiration from cognitive science, mimicking the human brain in order to identify connections across large amounts of data. We'll talk more about the neural network details in a few minutes. So now let's transition to the applications, the four that I discussed before. So the first healthcare field implementing AI is the field of pathology. 
Pathologists' job include looking at cells under the microscope to determine what tissue type it is, whether the cells appear normal or benign, whether there's infection or inflammation. In other words, the pathologist's decision is critical because they determine what doctors base treatment decisions on. They're looking at what's called the morphology, the shape and appearance, and the histochemistry, which means that when they apply certain stains, they can see which receptors are being expressed, and those patterns tell them what type of cell it is. In more recent years, they can also do molecular tests like genetic sequencing to see what mutations exist, and this helps identify whether something is a tumor, and it can classify tumors into subtypes that do better with one treatment or another. We accept in pathology a certain amount of inter-observer differences, which means that sometimes if you send the same slides to different pathologists, they might have slightly different opinions about the grade of the tumor, or even whether something's just highly atypical as opposed to a cancer. This can be confusing for patients and for doctors who then have to decide how to act on that information. By digitizing slides, it's possible for AI to identify differences between cells that the human eye is not capable of, known as subvisual structural characteristics, and doing it infinitely faster. For instance, being able to molecularly subtype a tumor the same day, as opposed to waiting a couple weeks to send out for sequencing. Pathology studies can input thousands of slides to a certain type of cancer, and the AI model can extract thousands of properties using feature extraction and machine learning. So the possibilities of AI applied to digital pathology are extremely exciting, and it seems likely that this will completely transform the field of pathology. In order to get there, an enormous amount of work is required. If a training algorithm requires supervised learning, in other words, each image presented for training needs to be first classified by a human pathologist, and a training a model requires tens of thousands of images, this would require lots of human time. But semi-supervised or unsupervised learning could address that obstacle. The second field of healthcare that we're going to be discussing is radiology. So radiologists are trained over years of residency to do essentially pattern recognition. In other words, to identify what's normal and what's not when viewing scans of the body. They determine this by viewing medical images such as x-rays, PET scans, and ultrasounds. But it takes time for radiologists to receive scans, review them, and issue their findings. One application of AI could be used for emergent situations. If we could train a model to read patient scans and check for critical imaging results, such as brain bleeds, pulmonary, pulmonary embolisms, acute strokes, etc., the ER doctor can be alerted as soon as the patient's scanned, rather than having to wait for the scan to be sent to and reviewed by the radiologist. In the realm of oncology, sometimes a very early sign of cancer may be present, but simply too vague for radiologists to identify. By applying AI to digital radiology, we may be able to catch patterns that wouldn't yet be visible to radiologists, increasing the likelihood that cancers are caught and treated early. Extending the idea of early detection, the future of AI within radiology may be the implementation of models which can read imaging slides and predict whether patients at high risk to develop cancer in the next few years. As an example, the head of breast radiology at MGH and an artificial expert um, intelligence expert at MIT have developed an algorithm which was trained on over 200,000 mammograms over time in women who did develop breast cancer and those who did not. The algorithm is able to extract information and develop a risk score that shows how likely each person is to develop breast cancer in the next five years, even though their mammogram is read as normal now. 
It's then tested the algorithm in a new group of 130,000 mammograms of women from seven countries, and in 44% of women who went on to develop breast cancer, the algorithm was able to predict they were at high risk, even when their mammograms were still read as normal. Having that information could help women make different health decisions in real time, like not skipping a year for their mammogram, and it changes imaging, imaging from being diagnostic to being prognostic. The same approach could be applied for other sorts of tumors, like lung cancers, and raises the possibility of a future in which we can prospectively predict cancer by implementing advanced AI models. It's important to note that we don't actually have a very good understanding of how the model makes its predictions, only that it does. We'll talk about why this is in a few minutes. One final healthcare specialization implementing AI is radiation oncology. A large portion of a radiation oncologist's daily work is the contouring of organs as an initial step in planning and delivering radiation to tumors. The tumor and the normal adjacent organs must be contoured before the physician's team can start generating a plan, and this is a task which lends itself to automation based on pattern recognition. Although it's been the job of physicists and dosimetrists to come up with beam arrangements, shapes and weightings that optimally treat tumors and minimize dose to adjacent normal organs, AI is now starting to be used as a way of generating radiation plans. One study demonstrated that when physicians evaluated radiation plans to treat prostate cancer, and they were blinded to who generated each plan, they rated the plans generated by AI somewhat higher than the plans generated by the human physics staff. But when they're made aware of which plans are generated by humans, then they show a preference for the plans generated by the humans, which also suggests some discomfort with making the switch. One final non-clinical specialization that AI is being applied to is data mining, otherwise known as the process of analyzing data sets in order to identify patterns and discover trends which then allow us to improve management or policy. When applied to patient data, data mining AI models can turn massive numbers of individual patient histories into ideas for improving overall patient care. One application of filtering large data sets into relevant conclusions is the prediction of patients at high risk for readmission. For instance, we can look at all patients who need to return to the emergency room within 90 days of being discharged and find out the strongest predictors. We could use AI to filter, for instance, 200 different variables within the patient data to find patterns and similarities across patients readmitted in order to improve our risk predictions, and that allows us to do things differently for the higher-risk patients, like arrange for more services when they get home. Another possible application could be determining the optimal distribution of scarce medical resources. Rather than having to manually compare patient to patient, AI can take into account a vast amount of information and then generate patterns that help us improve our current systems. This brings us to our hopes for the future of healthcare. If a computational model can integrate image information from pathology slides, imaging information from a CT scan, mutational data, clinical data, genomic information, and proteomic information, a task which is so complex that it could only be achieved by an AI approach due to the vast amount of information, it's thought to be possible that this would lead to a true personalized medicine approach, which would be more accurately able to predict who is going to recur and which treatment is the most effective for each person. This would be the promise of AI in oncology. But for each of these applications, similar questions apply. Will it allow healthcare specialists to do their work faster and with greater accuracy? The answer here is yes for many, yes for many specific tasks. 
But the next question is, will it improve outcomes for patients, like recurrence rates or survival? Taking the example of radiation oncology, an algorithm might appear to generate better radiation plans than a human one can on paper, but if you do a randomized trial comparing patients who are actually treated with the plans generated by a computer to those treated with plans generated by a human, at 10 years, will the first group have better tumor control or reduce later complications from treatment? Again, will it improve actual outcomes? Now, given our new knowledge of the promise of AI in healthcare, let's shift to the many risks. First, misinformation and accountability. Although we've seen that AI has a wide variety of applications within healthcare, what happens when AI doesn't act as intended? Who's to blame? The company which developed the model, the hospital, the physician? One Cornell study suggested that the public is significantly more likely to believe that physicians should be held responsible when this error occurs in the setting. Physicians, by contrast, are more likely to believe that the vendors and the healthcare organizations should be liable. The same study showed that there's often great patient discomfort with the implementation of AI in healthcare, perhaps because patients don't know enough yet about AI to trust its use. The study reported that 60% of patients said they understood the benefits of AI, and 20% said that they had no knowledge of AI at all. However, 95% of patients said that they would be comfortable with sharing their anonymized medical data with AI programs. The next risk is what we call the black box. Machine learning is sometimes referred to as the black box because although we can see its inputs and outputs, we can't actually see the process by which the system reaches its outputs, almost as if the entire process is concealed within a black box. As mentioned earlier, many of today's machine learning models employ what's known as neural networks, which are modeled on the neurons within the human brain. Just as a neuron in the brain receives signals from other neurons, signals travel between what we call nodes of the neural network. There's typically no, no way for us to know how the individual neurons work together to arrive at the final output. For example, machine learning expert Jason Yoskinski decided to analyze the AI running on his own laptop. He determined that although the AI had been trained to recognize many images, such as dogs, zebras, and more, it had also learned to detect the outlines of a human face, although it hadn't been programmed to do so. This is an example of the black box in which the system may figure out certain things without instructing, without us instructing it how, and we can't really know how it comes to the conclusions it does. And in my opinion, one of the most concerning risks of all is the potential for bias or racism. AI is only as accurate as its training set is, and this means that, for example, if an AI tool that uses speech patterns to detect mental illness is trained using speech patterns from only one demographic group, it may not accurately work if it's applied to patients from outside that group. Many people are likely familiar with how algorithms can introduce bias unintentionally. One example is hiring algorithms that use resumes of current employees to train the model. But if you only look for people who have similar backgrounds to your current employees, the model will incorporate and reflect whatever biases led to the earlier candidates being hired. This will reduce the likelihood of hiring someone who falls outside of established employee demographics. Similar or even greater risks apply when artificial intelligence is used within healthcare. Since, if treatments are based on training data, the model may not work on or even harm patients outside the demographic the model is trained on. To avoid this risk, some scientists are working on building unbiased, diverse datasets for both model training and testing to ensure more equitable outputs. Yet another, another risk arises with the matter of data security. 
Since healthcare AI is often implemented to detect patterns in medical data, the model must be trained and tested on large amounts of patient medical data. How do we ensure that personal medical information is properly protected and encrypted, even when passing through many hands? Which organizations have access to and control the data? And how do we reduce the risks of hacking? The idea of tracking health data is nothing new, but as technology advances, even the safest companies risk being hacked. Tracking of health data converge on surveillance or non-consensual data tracking. For instance, in order to supposedly track COVID cases, China implemented an even harsher surveillance regime, which requires citizens to scan a personal QR code at every location they visit, on top of security cameras, which use AI image recognition to monitor faces. Apple has a similar program which allows them to be tracked for possible COVID exposure, although their program is opt-in rather than compulsory. Because of all the aforementioned reasons and more, AI will likely always require human oversight, which could be seen as both a benefit and a risk. The key term here is that it's AI-assisted. In other words, AI doesn't completely take over the job, but it's a tool used by humans. Specifically, AI needs humans to provide data and monitor every step of the training process to ensure that it generates reasonable and equitable results. AI is best used as a complement to human experience. One Harvard study showed that a model could correctly identify breast cancer cells roughly 92% of the time, in comparison to the human pathologist's 96% accuracy. Yet, the combination of the AI and the pathologist achieved 99.5% accuracy. So, how can we mitigate some of these aforementioned risks of AI? First, we have to remove bias from the data sets. As I said before, companies are beginning to create these unbiased training and uh, testing data sets drawn from people with varied backgrounds and countries. Secondly, we must ensure humans review every step of the process. Up till now, AI algorithms haven't been required to be uh, reviewed or regulated by FDA or other agencies, so an important future step is creating a regulatory body for AI algorithms. Also, many AI tools don't provide information about the diversity of the data with which it was trained, and this means that they're often not transparent enough to determine if they underrepresent certain groups or incorporate other forms of bias into the models. There must be some process to establish best practices in order to lessen the risk of unintentional bias. Third, we must pass legislation, such as the new AI Bill of Rights passed by the Biden administration that protects from unsafe systems, prevents discrimination by algorithms and systems, prevents abusive data practices via built-in protections, and ensures citizens understand how automated systems are being used and understand how and why it contributes to outcomes that impact them. So what does learning about AI teach us about what it is to be human? What defines us that can't be replicated in artificial intelligence? Is humanity defined by intentionality? For instance, we're already close to the point at which AI can generate poetry that's indistinguishable from human poetry, but the machine doesn't create the art with intention or emotion, it's simply a replication of human behavior. The exercise of trying to allow machines to mimic human behavior can also lead us to appreciate our own mechanical abilities. For instance, a two-year-old human can pick up a Cheerio, but it's surprisingly difficult to program robots to do this. We ourselves are animals and biomechanical machines, but most of our identity arguably lies in our humanness. 
algorithms are very good at mimicking human behavior, but they'll never be able to mimic what it is to be human. Through understanding AI, we increase our appreciation of ourselves, and I think that's its greatest gift. Now finally, a few more thought-provoking questions that I leave you with to ponder. First, after this discussion, have your opinions changed on artificial intelligence in healthcare? How will the role of physicians change due to AI, for example, 10 and 25 years from now? How will the patient journey change? Whom will we allow to have control of and access to patient data? Which applications of AI should require explicit patient consent? And finally, who is accountable when AI makes a mistake? That's all we have for today. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you listen to future episodes of the Ageless Science podcast. Have a great day.